When it comes to the state of the news industry, the news has not been good. Over a span of less than two decades, a quarter of the country's newspapers have folded. That translates to tens of thousands of reporters laid off, and it means far less coverage of communities across the country. Less scrutiny of what local government is up to, what police departments are doing, how schools are performing. Driven primarily by the Internet's disruption of the long-standing business model supporting newspapers, the alarming disappearance of papers and the hollowing out of many of those that have survived has been dubbed the crisis in local journalism. But the news about the news is not entirely grim. In the face of these trends, a new model of nonprofit news is sprouting across the country. Foundations, corporate donors, and individuals are stepping forward to fund nonprofit news organizations. They've declared that rigorous independent journalism is vital to a healthy functioning democracy. The latest such declaration has come from Worcester, where the local Chamber of Commerce announced this month that it is launching a new nonprofit news website, the Worcester Guardian to provide more coverage of the state's second largest city. It's welcome news to those hungry for more journalism in Worcester. It has also raised questions about the independence of a news operation that's receiving funding from the local business community. I'm Michael Jonas from Commonwealth Magazine. Joining us on the podcast to talk about this new venture in news is Tim Murray, the president and CEO of the Worcester Regional Chamber of Commerce, which has spearheaded this effort. He is also the former two-term mayor of Worcester and former lieutenant governor of the Commonwealth. Tim Murray, welcome to the podcast. Michael, uh, thanks for having me. So help us understand uh, what's happening in Worcester and this uh, new enterprise that you're, uh, you and the Chamber have helped to launch. Why, why does Worcester need the, the Worcester Guardian? Well, I would encourage, you know, first uh, readers and listeners to go to the WorcesterGuardian.org website, uh, also the, the Worcester Chamber of Commerce website, uh, WorcesterChamber.org. Uh, on both of those websites, we have the white paper that was developed over the course of the last year that we presented to the chamber board back in July that really details some of the data that you talked about in your opening, Michael. We have seen across the country uh, since 2000, 2,200 newspapers close. They say that on average, two newspapers close a week. We've seen, uh, I think the other, the other data point from Pew Research Center, that 40,000 uh, newsroom positions have been cut in the United States between 2008 and, and 2020. And so this is a phenomenon, unfortunately, that is happening across the country. And Worcester, unfortunately, has not been spared. And that makes the situation here in Worcester particularly acute because the dominant news entity for you know, decades, if not uh, at least 100 years, has been the Worcester Telegram and Gazette. And uh, Worcester, unlike Boston or Springfield or Providence, uh, we do not have affiliate TV stations. Uh, the Telegram, uh, as I said, has really been the dominant news source. And they have dramatically cut over the last 10 years their news staff. And we've seen uh, the impact. I think anyone in Worcester, regardless of where they might sit, uh, if anyone follows the news at the least bit, have seen the consequences of that. And uh, it's a, it impacts, as we said in the white paper, um, it's a threat to the civic and economic health of our community when that information collapse takes place. And so we studied uh, what is going on across the country. It started with a, a team of Clark students who 
uh, did an initial report that we presented to our executive board. Uh, that was followed by the in-depth white paper that we have put together and then released that publicly with the announcement that we would help facilitate the launch, uh, put some seed money together uh, and uh, help try to launch what is taking place in many communities, not just across the country, but here in the Commonwealth. And I would point out that you know, Commonwealth Magazine, now Commonwealth Beacon, is also a great example of of nonprofit journalism, where you know you're out, uh, where you try to draw that line and make sure it's a, a hard, impenetrable line, where you've got the news and editorial content, and then there's a fundraising and administrative piece. So we're looking to model what's happening uh, across the country, uh, and here in Massachusetts, we talked in the White Piper extensively about the. The New Bedford Light, Vermont Dig, uh, Texas Tribune, and Commonwealth Beacon is a great example as well. Well, we, we thank you for the plug. And we are indeed, you know, part of this nonprofit journalism ecosystem that is blossoming uh, or trying to take root uh, to keep it with the, the growing metaphor uh, across the country. So it's interesting that you're saying that there were some uh, students at Clark that um, maybe uh, to keep with that planted the seed here. I mean, did they bring that to you? Had you all been in conversation already about this or just help us understand the, the kind of whole genesis of and, and how long have these kind of, you know, preliminary conversations been going? Well, you know, here at the chamber, you know, probably for a couple of years as each uh, cut has been announced, particularly at the telegram, we, we see the impact. And so we reached out to Clark University a couple of years ago. They were able to kind of give us a, a name of a team and some students and they started uh, some of that work. And uh, that was then kind of taken to the next level with, with our white paper. But from a, a chamber point of view, and I think anyone who cares about some of the things that you talked about, what's happening at the school board, uh, what's happening at planning and zoning boards, uh, how is uh, you know, international affairs and immigration impacting the community here? Uh, you know, How do we localize these stories that help try to get people information from trained journalists with editors that presents both sides of the story uh, and then kind of informs the community about actions and opportunities to, to get involved. And so that's not our expertise. We freely admit that. And that is why, you know, right out of the gate, David Nordman uh, was asked to, to serve as uh, the consultant uh, in this process to kind of handle the news and editorial hiring process. Our job is to try to spread the word about this model, to try to uh, encourage people in the business community, philanthropic community, foundations, uh, businesses, individual, you know, readers, uh, nonprofit institutions, all who have a stake and are invested in Worcester and central Massachusetts and its well-being uh, to kind of help play a role and contribute whatever they, way they can to kind of share uh, the story and, and build that civic goodwill that is so critical, I think, to healthy, vibrant communities on, on so many levels. Help us understand why the Chamber of Commerce, with all of the activities it's involved in and representing businesses, has decided that a, you know, kind of thriving, vibrant local news operation is so critical to the region. What's the connection between the mission and work of the Chamber and what, a, you know, what a local news operation does? Well, if you have a good exchange of ideas and information about what's happening at City Hall and in other parts of the community, when you have that good civic engagement, uh, that also directly relates to the economic health and well-being of a community. A business community can't be successful uh, if we're not working together to address a whole host of issues and challenges that we face. 
issues you know, of housing, of, of transportation challenges, environmental issues. So those are all interconnected uh, on so many different levels. And so uh, also conversations you know, at, at City Hall with the planning board, a zoning board. Uh, there was a time that those things were regularly covered by the telegram. Uh, and those we've seen, again, that contraction impact. And what happens, Michael, is when that information from trained journalists with editors is not getting out there, in a way that people can generally objectively appreciate, you've got these, and we talk about this in the white paper, and it's not a phenomenon I think that anybody is surprised with. You've got elements of social media and and opinion uh, oriented journalism with a certain kind of ideological perspective that kind of fills the void, if you will, and that's not always accurate, or certainly does not, you know, present both sides of an argument. And so we think it's important to get that that information, generally speaking, that tells both sides of the stories, let people uh, know what's going on. It's clear what's editorial opinion and what's kind of editorial just reporting and, and content. Uh, and that's that's I think central to so many important discussions, not just related to the business community. So uh, that that's why. And I would just say that it's also you know the chamber helping launch and facilitate, and then as quickly as possible, get out of the way, uh, that's our goal, uh, is consistent with the role that we've played. You know, the Worcester Regional Chamber, Carmus, will be celebrating its 150th anniversary in 2025. And you look over the course of that history, uh, it's really amazing to think about what, you know, how we've existed, giving international and national upheavals, depressions, world wars, uh, at least a Two plagues, if you will, you know, COVID being the most recent, uh, the, the technological changes. We helped launch 103, 104 years ago. The, it was launched. The paperwork was signed at the Chamber of Commerce to create the United Way of Central Massachusetts. Uh, we helped spin off the Worcester Business Development Corporation in the early 2000s, uh, which was the uh, kind of the mass development of Worcester County. And they do great work. Now a separate board and organization. MBI, an incubator for life sciences and biotech, also spin off in, uh, out of the chamber. And then more recently, working with the Health Foundation of Central Mass to create the, the Worcester Regional Food Hub, which works with area farmers, as well as has a commercial kitchen to help and train food-related uh, startup businesses as well. So, you know, we, we will sometimes get out of our comfort zone to do things that are for the benefit of the community. And we see this as being consistent with that. So, you know, that that's our goal, as I mentioned, and having someone with expertise like David Nordman to launch, as we launch, to handle the, the reporting and the editing piece of it, uh, management. And he's already hired a, an editor, uh, which was also announced. Uh, we're hopeful that we can quickly stand this up, build a, a base level of financial support, kind of get out of the way and let this nonprofit independent organization, put more reporters on the street in a variety of different ways, which is going to benefit the community, uh, I, I think, in, in a lot of different ways. So to your point about sort of the chamber helping get it going, and then you said, you know, we quickly want to get out of the way. Talk a little bit about that, because I think in the initial days since this announcement, there's been sort of, you know, a little bit of chatter about both, on the one hand, people welcoming the idea of a new operation in Worcester to cover things, and then some people saying, oh, it's a little bit, you know, alarm bells going off. Wait, the Chamber of Commerce is going to run a news operation? It sounds more like a, you know, a PR operation than a, than a journalism operation. And I think from what we've read since then, that might have been a little bit uh, of a misconstruing of how things work. I know the Chamber has put forward, 
this initial $50,000. Now that hardly is going to be enough to sustain a, an operation like this. Um, and also, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Dave Nordman, who, uh, if I'm not wrong, was formerly the editor of the Worcester Telegram and Gazette. So it's it's a little bit, you know, I don't know, fitting, I guess, when we talk about the contraction there, that it's a former editor of the kind of legacy paper in Worcester that uh, has signed on and is serving as sort of an advisor or consultant to this effort. Can you just help help us understand a little the structure of it and, you know, who's and how it's going to operate and who's going to be in charge? Yeah, well, I, right now, you know, we uh, asked David out of the gate to be the consultant advisor because we wanted to send a message and be honest and open that it's clear that the editorial reporting side needs to be done by a professional who knows that end of the business. And so David's willingness to come on in that regard uh, was immensely helpful in us being able to go forward. Uh, he has handled the, solely the hiring of the, the editor, Charlene Arsenault, which was recently announced. Uh, when we made this announcement, there were a number of inquiries that we received from reporters and individuals looking to maybe do freelance or correspondent work. They were immediately told to talk to Dave Nordman, and he's building uh, a team with Charlene in that regard. And uh, that's you know, the way it should be. You know, our job is to help get the word out uh, to to business community, to institutional leaders, to the broader community about this effort let people know that there's ways that they can support it and that this will be run by an independent board. Uh, and, you know, that board will uh, work uh, and establish, as we talked about in the release, uh, a community advisory board as well, so that they're getting constant feedback. And Michael, we recognize and we understood that when we rolled this out, there's going to be, you know, it's not people aren't going to just say, hey, this is wonderful. People are going to have questions and there's going to be feedback. And most of it's been constructive. And David has taken all of that into into account on our side of it, which is more the administrative piece and and helping kind of at least seed this financially. You know, take that as it comes uh, and and where it's constructive. But you know, as I said, our goal is to quickly try to get this that financial base in in place so that uh, it can really plan uh, for the remainder of the year and next year to to scale. Uh, that that's the goal. And I would just point out that in our study and review of this, of how other, you know, independent free nonprofit news organizations were created across the country and, and here locally, you know, there's no template. There's no necessarily cookie cutter approach here. Uh, I think it's generally speaking, people of goodwill who try to recognize that that how important good civic journalism is on so many different levels. And in Worcester, as I mentioned, it's particularly needed because of the collapse uh, of the telegram. And I just want to say one thing. The reporters and, and editors that are at the Telegram right now are doing great work. And all you needed to do is read some of the articles just over the last couple of weeks, some stories that they have broke. Our fundamental concern is that there's just not enough of them. And there are some other good newspapers and organizations that are, are more weekly with the Business Journal and others, Worcester Business Journal. But our point is they're doing good work, but we need more journalists. And I come back to that data point from the Pew um, uh, research center that 40,000 newsroom jobs have been eliminated between 2008 and 2020. And unfortunately, here in Central Mass, we are a part of that 40,000 plus uh, cut. So uh, this this is what we're, we're trying to help facilitate. And uh, we think, you know, whatever short term brickbats we get, um, you know, are, are well worth it. But I would say that generally the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive with a number of people wanting to figure out ways that they can help the effort. 
And uh, I think it was in your white paper at some point, you know, in talking about this vision of civic news and uh, news that really kind of focuses, I guess, constructively on covering issues in the in the city and the region. You know, the paper kind of decried what it said sometimes is more like gotcha journalism. And I guess I just wonder, uh, you know, again, kind of kicking the tires of it is at some point there's gotcha journalism, but then you know, the kind of flip side of that is what some people might just say is accountability journalism. So, you know, where is that line between something that might seem, uh, you know, a little over the top versus, you know, this role of journalism and of the press, which, you know, is not always to make everybody happy. And sometimes people are going to be unhappy. And I guess sometimes, it, you know, is there going to be a story in the Worcester Guardian that, that, that might make the chamber not that happy or some business interests? Michael, I hope that's the case. I hope that's the case. We, you know, accountability journalism uh, is needed, and 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 we've seen some good accountability journalism here locally. Uh, we need more of it, uh, but that's where it's substantive. Both sides are given an opportunity to give their their viewpoints, their rationales as to why decisions were made or didn't made, and that's what good trained journalists do, working with editors to make sure that. People, individuals, organizations are held held accountable, but both sides of the stories are given the opportunity to make that case. So we embrace that. I think that's something we talk about, but it's about kind of educating the public in that process uh, and letting them make the decisions in the reporting. And certainly, if we're lucky enough to have the get this to a point to scale, you know, there's clear areas of opinion, you know, editorial and general j- journalism, and making that distinction clear at the outset help understand the the timeline of the trajectory you're on. So you sort of made the announcement and announced the chambers sort of seeded this with 50,000. It sort of, you know, you could imagine an announcement that comes after, you know, you've raised some numbers of hundreds of thousands and you say we're launching next week and we have a staff of five. You're kind of announcing it. It seems in part to kind of generate interest in some of that funding. So when when is this thing actually anticipated to launch? And is there a goal for how much you think you need to raise in the first year and what sort of size, you know, staff are you are you hoping to have? Yeah, I'm going to you know let Dave Norman kind of comment on that. But I, I would say just generally speaking, uh, they're hoping to, to begin to generate news content soon. I think the announcement with Charlene Arsenault as the editor, uh, based upon the response and inquiries that uh, David has fielded in conversations he's had it, I hope, uh, you know, they, they think they hope to be able to generate news content soon which would be available you know, free through the various social media platforms. People can go to thewistaguardian.org and get on the daily email list uh, as well. Uh, so that's another way. You know, that 50,000 was for us to kind of seed the operation uh, and begin the conversations, which we've started with other potential funders locally uh, to help kind of underwrite the 2024 plan and and build and scale and you know how you roll these things out again looking and studying how some of the nonprofit uh, outlets and have uh, come to fruition in other communities it's all very different i think we know there's a need now and we've seen a dramatic uh, shrinking over the last couple of years in particular so we wanted to try to be, you know help begin to fill that void as quickly as possible uh, which is why we made the announcement, rolled out the white paper, announced Dave is handling the news and editorial piece and the hiring. And it's gone, I would say, faster than maybe uh, initially anticipated, which is great, which is great, which means content will get out there and uh, on a range of issues, which will help inform the community. 
you mentioned sort of the sort of models in other cities and and I guess maybe none of the others had quite the same uh, you know, you said there's no cookie cutter model of the local chamber doing it. And that has been the thing maybe that's sort of drawn some of the attention uh, to your effort in, in ways maybe that, you know, initially there's, you know, questions were raised. But I, I do remember that the New Bedford Light, which is an operation that's been going now for a little while on the South Coast, it did have not the direct involvement of the city in funding it. But I know the mayor there, John Mitchell, was very... Uh, candid and outspoken in encouraging that and saying, you know, he wanted to see it. Again, he's not funding it, but it's not as if I think there's a case also where he's he realizes it's not always going to be, you know, kind of the John Mitchell show on the New Bedford Light, just, you know, praising all the good work he does. They've got a, a, a great columnist there who, again, came from the New Bedford Standard Times, a former reporter there, Jack Spillane. He, he writes very, you know, kind of tough, hard-hitting columns, and I'd say almost, you know, all of the political leaders there, nobody is, is sort of safe from his pen when he kind of calls it like he sees it. But again, I think broadly speaking, he may not love every every column that he sees, but, you know, Mayor Mitchell there has said desperately that that region needs more coverage. It's, as you say, it's kind of key to the vitality of the city and, and all the things that he's trying to do as mayor. So, it can be, I guess, a double-edged sword for local official like yourself or elected officials. Of course, you have, you know, the dual hats of having been an elected official as well. And, and you've probably felt a little of those uh, arrows of, from the press at times, but it hasn't uh, steered you away from uh, the idea of wanting to see more of it. That's right. I think Jack Spillane might have dinged me once or twice, too. But uh, <laughs> um, there you go. Yeah, I mean, I our family... Uh, for 17 years, we spent summers, a uh, few weeks at least uh, each summer down on the South Coast in the New Bedford area. And, you know, I've watched the New Bedford Light in particular grow in scale. And I sat with not only John Mitchell, but some of the uh, other uh, original founders of the New Bedford Light to learn how they did it, why, what they initially focused on, learn what they thought they did well, what they didn't do well. And, you know, we incorporated a lot of that into our thinking and, and, and kind of roll out and areas of focus that Dave's going to lead the team on. So you're absolutely right. The idea is when people are informed about a whole range of issues that are important you know, to a community, it's a better, healthier community. And I think that was what Mayor Mitchell's point was in advocating for it. And he'd be the first to tell you that, you know, there are probably times he's not full agreement with, you know, maybe a perspective that Jack Spillane or or you know, another reporter may have in an angle that they're covering. But the fact that they're out there trying to get the story out, talking to both sides is really, really, really important. You know, whether you're a mayor, uh, whether you're a business leader, an institutional leader, uh, you know, somebody in the arts and cultural community, uh, educational community, that storytelling and good quality journalism is, is really important. So that's what we're trying to do. And I hope there's there's days that we say, hey, they didn't get it right from a chamber point of view and we can grouse and complain about it. But at least the information's out there. And, I, and I'm confident with good editors and good um, journalists, they'll get it right you know, more times than not in telling both sides of the story. And we need that here. As I mentioned, um, we don't have the volume or numbers of, of news organizations maybe that other communities have. And if we can get additional journalists and reporters out there, it's 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 good for our community and Central Mass. Tim Murray, I want to thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It was great to learn 
about the Worcester Guardian, and we'll look forward to, uh, to seeing its launch. Thanks, Michael. And thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast from Commonwealth Magazine. I'm Michael Jonas. We will see you next week. Thank you.